Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. We're Jonathan and Shannon Badger from Badger CPA, and you're listening to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. Excellent. Jonathan and Shannon, tell us about your business story and its history. Yeah, thanks for having us, Nick. Um, We are, uh, uh, Shannon and I are a husband and wife team, and uh, we started our business about five years ago, kind of out of our house. Um, We're both uh, CPAs here here in Texas and um, enjoyed working together and uh, we were starting to have a family together and, and we just had our third kid and we wanted to, uh, this is back in 2014 and, and decided to start our, our CPA firm together, uh, primarily focusing on um, small to mid-sized business uh, controller and CFO services with uh, tax planning and compliance um, layered onto those services as well. Awesome. So give us an overview of your team structure, both locally and offshore. How many team members do you have? How long have they been with you? Um, Great. Uh, We have about 20 team members. And um, right now we have about seven of those team members are offshore with uh, TOA. And then um, the rest of them are onshore here in the U.S. And our team is structured. We have our uh, finance and administration um, kind of firm administrator position who has an offshore team member, uh, Janet, who is amazing. And then we have our operations uh, director who is Crystal and she has uh, four accounting managers that report to her. And then we have uh, six TOA team members that are part of our kind of operations direct client service team. Excellent, so the story of setting up your offshore team, what were the motivations behind doing this versus obviously all the other priorities that you have as business owners? Yeah, that's a great question. one of the things that we noticed is that it was really hard to grow our, our business when we were so busy um, with all the client work that we had. We were a small business, just a couple of people. Um, we had a lot of needs. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're just a couple of people, you're trying to interview and hire and staff and also uh, invest in technology. And um, Shannon and I just didn't have a lot of time to, to do all the things that we needed to do. And um, we were, when we were introduced, uh, to, to Toa, we were actually introduced to him through a, through a, a consultant, um, uh, kind of a mastermind course. And, uh, when we were introduced to Toa, it, it allowed us to bring on some capacity pretty quickly, like inexperienced. Um, and we weren't just limited to like our local geographic, like the people that we knew. Uh, so it allowed us to, to bring on some, some team members pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And you've sort of answered my next question about, um, obviously, how did you go about getting set up? So you found us via a consultant, but what was the process of getting set up? Obviously, the research part was done by the re- recommendation, but what's what was the process you went through and how long did it roughly take? Um, so we started, um, it was Q4 of uh, 2018. Um, and so we kind of decided we wanted to pursue uh, researching this in, in Q3. And so what we did in the fourth quarter was we actually engaged with two different uh, companies and one was uh, TOA and then the other one was a company um, uh, that was located in India. And so we actually hired uh, two employees 
um, or team members, I should say, and they worked with us for about six months. And we were able to experience kind of the, the onboarding, the communication, the HR, the team member performance and things like that. And then um, sort of make the decision who was kind of the best company partner long-term. So that's what it looked like for us. We did want to test out uh, both. And honestly, both team members were really wonderful, but the uh, the process and the communication with TOA um, just worked better for us. It was a better fit. Yeah, and to, and to follow up with that, um, we also had a really great experience with the quality of the candidates that were being introduced to us. Um, the quality of the resumes that we were seeing um, was just was just uh, world-class. Um, so we were able to to interview multiple people that were very qualified for the work that we needed them to do um, and that were able to get started relatively quickly. So we felt like the, the recruiting aspect that TOA is doing, uh, how they onboard them into the TOA process, uh, the expectations that you set with us as, as a client were, were very clear. Um, and and what, just like in anything, any relationship, you know, there's of course been bumps along the way um, as we've learned each other and grown as a company with you guys. Um, but overall, like just the, the sourcing of talent, uh, the retention of that talent, how you guys um, uh, reacted and, and acted, um, you know, in the COVID, you know, pandemic uh, has been just a really positive experience for us. And that's something that always um, typically comes up with us is that it's not a traditional supplier relationship where we give you a product. It is a deep partnership for your success means our success. And that's really something that I think sometimes takes some people a lot of getting used to is that it is a deeper partnership because it's people, it's humans. And, and that human element is that they're your team, but we're the legal employer. So it's, it's just working through that partnership together and understanding it. And, and some of our, our clients do have challenges with that because they treat it like a product where it's, oh, I'm paying you for this product. It's like, no, it's a human being. You need to have a deep partnership with us um, because right. otherwise it, it makes it challenging. But leading on to that, for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them on the type of work that your offshore team should do? And what were the first type of tasks that you got your team to do um, and then progress to? Yeah, sure. um, at first we started with like kind of the bookkeeping, data entry, bank reconciliation. So I'd say a lot of like the client accounting services uh, group was sort of, you know, the, the place we started. Um, and so creating um, processes and systems there. Um, but now, honestly, it's really expanded to where um, they do pretty much all the same work that our onshore team does. Uh, they're not really treated any differently. Our onshore team and our offshore team is all um, very much in unison on the same team. It's not viewed as kind of them versus us or anything like that. Um, I will say like a lot of our obviously client meetings and face-to-face -face meetings that are in the office are handled by the team here. Um, but our uh, TOA team also, they send um, direct client emails, client communication. They uh, senior some accounts, like make sure they do the review and the sending of financials. So um, we have just been thrilled with the amount of uh, responsibility that, that they've been able to um, take on. So we started kind of more in the administration data entry realm, but we're, we're much past that now. Yeah, and, and to, to piggyback off of that, um, we, we don't view them differently in the hiring process. You know, if, if we need somebody at the senior accountant level, you know, we're hiring a senior accountant it's not just data entry it's not just administrative um, we really look at them as like part of our team and part of our you know they're part of our culture 
Um, you know, we, I would recommend as, you know, just, and this is probably best practices in general, but, you know, making sure you have a job description uh, for that role, you know, that sets them up for success, showing them what's expected of them. Uh, ideally, you have a cloud-based workflow system that they can tie into. Um, you know, it, I, I could see some potential challenges if you're, you're a paper firm um, where everything is being done locally. Um, so, so we had spent a lot of time thinking about our workflow and, and, and automating that process, you know, through a cloud-based solution and, and then hiring somebody remotely, um, you know, didn't seem like a big hurdle for us technologically. And I think you, I just want to pull out a few points that you made there. So the first one was around them knowing what success is. So the PD is really about them knowing what success is, and that should be on a daily weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Because if people don't know what success is in their role, it's hard to be successful. And this is not just a, when you've got a, a global team, this is when you've got a local team as well. And the other part of it is that you mentioned around process and the right technologies. I call that giving your team the right tools to succeed. And if you look at professional athletes, they have the right equipment for them to be able to succeed. Yes, they're great athletes, but they also have the right facilities. They have the right training and they have the right tools to be able to succeed. And that probably leads into my next question, which it, you've got your team up and running. I mean, just under two years, your first team members started and, and they're obviously doing quite a high level of work. A lot of, not all clients are, are that successful that quick. So my question really comes back to which you really must be good at training. So what um, advice would you give to someone that is new to the process or that's been doing it about the training your team? How did how did you do that? Because it obviously worked and is working. So in the Q4 of 2018, one of the other um, kind of team rocks that we had was documenting all of our client processes and procedures. And so when we had kind of brought on that first team member as a test, um, the same quarter, the rest of our team was documenting all the processes for every single client. And we actually kind of made a fun um, game out of it. We had stickies on the wall and once it was done, then everybody got to take a few extra days off for Christmas and we had like a team happy hour. So we just sort of like the whole focus of that quarter was like documenting processes and procedures and making sure that we had all the documentation there because the goal was to hire additional team members in Q1 and Q2. And if we didn't have that in place, we weren't gonna be successful. Um, and so process documentation was a huge part of it. Um, and then also training is something that we've been actively working on this year. Um, we have a team training every Wednesday over lunch on a various topic. It's just become kind of our reoccurring lunch and learn. And the team basically, they send up us topics that they run into something that they don't understand. And so um, every Wednesday, we're just covering training topics. And then we record those and we keep them in kind of our training bank. So now when new team members join, they have a whole index of like videos they can reference. Um, we also have some basic videos just about our firm, how we do things, um, our clients, uh, you know, nuances about us, things like that. So um, I would encourage people to use like a recording um, system, like a Zoom or a Teams, because this year we actually went back and we recorded all of our processes and procedures also using like a Zoom. So all key processes are recorded. And so now I feel like really the new team members that come on now have a lot of momentum right out of the gate, whereas before it was a little bit bumpy. Um, COVID has also helped in the sense of everybody is remote. And so I think that sometimes firms can lean on being in the office to kind of make up for, I would say, inefficiencies or bad processes because you're sitting next to someone. So you can say, 
hey, what's this? Or, hey, what do I do now? And so I think um, in the COVID environment, it's really challenged a lot of us to look at what's really working and not working because, um, and so I actually think it's helped us serve our TOA team better because we're seeing those gaps maybe that we didn't see before in the office. And so I think it's really helped our team be more unified from like a training perspective. It's been good. Yeah, and, and, and to, to follow, follow that up, I, I, I can't over or, um, overemphasize how important it was for our team and as, as owners for us to communicate that these are like, these are our team members. Like there's not, a, we don't want to differentiate between onshore, offshore. Um, that gets into who's doing what work. Is this an onshore work, offshore work? No, like we're, we're a team work. We actually think we're hiring internationally, like wherever we can find talent. We just happen to have found TOA that's bringing us really talented accountants through a recruiting process that we didn't have access to in the past. Um, if these people that we're hiring now were, uh, were here locally, like they, they have great resumes and we'd be looking at them. Um, and so for us getting our team used to like, it's, it's not a, it's not a international team member offshore onshore, like they're part of our culture. They're part of our team. And, and it's important to not differentiate for us at least. Otherwise it's, it, you get into like, well, who, whose responsibility is that? No, it's like, they're part of our team. And, and, and when you think about them that way, they get integrated a lot faster and they have like buy-in, at least that's, that was our experience. Definitely some great feedback. And that probably leads into my next question, which is what are the top three tips for managing your offshore team? So I would almost say that that, that is a partial answer to that question as well. So what else um, mm -hmm. could people do to, to really, I suppose, manage their offshore team and integrate it as, as into your business? It's funny because it's like, it's like what you would do to manage like your team just in general. Like, I don't think it matters if they're onshore or offshore, but um, we have monthly one-on-ones for feedback. We have very specific job descriptions and accountability. Um, we have a weekly scorecard that the team reviews and knows what they're looking at every week. And, and like John said, they're fully integrated into our whole process. So our accountability and our, um, management of our offshore team is really no different than our onshore team. And I think that's actually part of why it's working so well. So, so I'll give you an example. It, I, I kind of like this. Um, one of our uh, accounting teams uh, was doing a, like a, like a, just their own, their own team was doing kind of like a little group happy hour. There's like five or six of them. And uh, the accounting manager shipped like some pizza and a bottle of wine to their team member in the Philippines um, so that they all could get on like a, like a zoom, you know, COVID happy hour together. And when you start thinking about like, how do we get them involved in like the company happy hours? Like, how does that look? Um, you know, we have, we have a manager there at TOA who's responsible for like the, she's kind of our, our cult, culture ambassador for our firm over there. Like she's, uh, not only does she have responsibilities, but but we want her to, um, you know, embody the core values of our firm and also hold our, our team over there accountable for them as if they were sitting here in our office here. So um, it, it's it's been neat to see how uh, when they when they give us feedback, they just feel like, wow, you're you're part of our team. We're part of your team. You don't treat us any differently. And I think that's been critical for our success. You know, 100 percent agree. And that's why you are having success in it. So. A question around more KPIs. I talked about knowing um, team members need to know what success is, and I think this is just a global thing. It doesn't matter where you are. In any role, you need to know what success is. 
how do you measure the success of your offshore team? Um, what KPIs, for example, do you use? So our internal KPIs are based around client budgets. And so we have a fixed fee pricing model where we have um, just a fixed fee retainer and then we have client budgets and then we have budgets by stuff. And so really what success looks like for the accountants is executing on, you know, the work timely, under budget, high quality, things like that. But again, like the KBIs for the offshore team is no different than the onshore team. So everyone's working from the same scorecard, the same quarterly goals, the same. Um, but, you know, specifically, we're looking at time under budget, quality of work. Um, we don't track hourly billing. So I can't say we're tracking like production or revenue, but we do look at utilization and things like that. Um, yeah, we, we also, also track, track like training and development time. Yeah. Average hourly rate, out of scope billing, all that, all that stuff that you would normally see. Uh, but like Shannon said, um, whether you're a, a, a staff or a senior, you know, here in Texas with us or you're over with TOA, like you're still held to the same standards and KPIs, you know, based on your job description and your, your position in our firm. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value your offshore team provides, what would it be? A word or a phrase? I, I, I love their attitude you know, just positivity um, in general, you know, we've just had a really, really great experience with just their overall attitude. Um, before we were introduced to Toa, we, we were not, I was not, uh, never been introduced to the, to the Philippine culture. Um, and we've just kind of, we've really enjoyed like our experience, you know, with, with our team members over there. So I, I would just say uh, the attitude um, has been an overly positive uh, experience and, and, um, you know, and actually our, our, the rest of our team enjoys them as well. So, so I would say attitude for me. I would be tempted to use the word, you know, I agree with Jonathan and um, I would say like the positive attitude and, and all of that too. But I think even fundamentally for the business and for me personally, um, I would also maybe use the word capacity, which mm -hmm. I don't want to oversimplify like, the value that they've brought because it's, it's huge. But like for me personally, like, I mean, I have four kids age eight and under and like, so our relationship with Toa has directly impacted like my ability to spend more time with my kids. And it's allowed us to, um, I would say hire and grow faster than we could if we didn't have that relationship. And so I think for me personally, it's, it's created capacity in the organization really quickly. I think a lot of CPA firms struggle with tons of overtime, um, working lots of hours, and it's very challenging to create capacity fast enough. And so I think that the relationship with TOA has allowed us to do that. It's like this amazing byproduct that they also are just incredible team members and it's been just such a blessing to get to know them. But I also think just from a business perspective, it allowed us to um, create capacity faster than we could have if we didn't use, you know, use that relationship. So it's great feedback because that's obviously one of the things we talk a lot about is that whole capacity. Um, and I think you're right. A lot of CPA firms struggle with that. They struggle with understanding how much capacity they need. They struggle with understanding or having enough capacity in advance. They always are running behind where they hire after the fact of when they need it. So I think that that's a a huge one. So when we do look at capacity, um, one of the things that I always ask um, accounting firm owners is, do you have a people strategy um, mapped out? And if you do, what do you see the ratios being longer term with onshore, offshore um, on that side of it? 
Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, do you want me to talk? We have a spreadsheet, and so we're like super nerdy. (laughs) We have it very, very specifically laid out, and so um, we actually have like our uh, five-year picture, and then we have kind of our percentage of work onshore versus offshore, and so kind of long-term, what we're looking at is like our direct labor that we anticipate about sixty percent of our team being offshore versus onshore. And so that's kind of how we've mapped it over the next several years. And so, for example, five years from now, we are expecting to have 21 billable FTE, but 14 of those would be offshore and seven would be onshore. And, um, and the reasoning for that is what we've discovered is we have about a two thirds, one third mix of client facing meetings, things like that, that are more challenging to offshore. But our anticipation is that, um, you know, between 60 and 70 percent of our work um, we can have with TOA. And so our, our long term goal is to have kind of like that you know, 21 to what I say, 21 to seven or 14 to seven split roughly. And then we have an administration team as well, which does, um, we're trying to create a more robust administration support. And so our form administrator is here onshore, but we've actually just hired our first uh, TOA team member to support her, like in the HR, internal accounting contracts, things like that. And they're going to start pulling more and more of the administration work. And so we anticipate also expanding that team offshore as well. So I think we're going to have about a two thirds, one third. Yeah. And, and to, to follow up, follow up with Shannon, um, we're, we're undergoing, and this is probably going to be a, a multiple quarter project. Um, but, but understanding the level of administration work that our accountants are doing so we can pull that, that budget, those hours off of them so that we're freeing up the accountants to actually do accounting work. Um, so internally we call those client excellence coordinators. Um, but we feel that, um, hiring kind of one of those for about every, what do we say, Shannon, three accountants, Mm -hmm. um, uh, was kind of a good mix where we can start to build out where there's a support person who's responsible for document aggregation, uh, technology issues, following up with the client, you know, with any issues, stuff that just needs to get done. And normally it's the accountant doing it, but if we can create capacity, again, word capacity, if we can create that uh, at our accountant level by bringing some of that administration stuff off of them, uh, we can we can create capacity to grow. And I think that you said a few critical things. It's probably just business as usual for you, but the fact that you've got a spreadsheet um, and you are accountant, so you should have spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> yeah. You've got a spreadsheet that actually works out that capacity and maps out that strategy. And I think that's a missing point that a lot of accounting firms I talk to, um, they talk about, yep, I've done my business plan. And I say to them, what does that mean? They've said, well, oh, we've set the revenue targets. And I said, well, how many people do you need to achieve it? And it's like, well, we'll just push our team to get there or um, we haven't worked that out. Or, and I always say that when you work out the capacity, there's one of two outcomes. You either have too much capacity, which people say, oh, no, we've never got too much. And I say, well, you probably do because they're probably doing admin work. If you took the admin work off them, you have access capacity or you have a shortage of capacity. So I think that you're doing that, I mean, speaks volumes for the quality of business that you're running um, because the majority of people that I speak to globally in this space don't have that. They struggle with that piece. Well, one thing I want to share too, like as far as our timeline is, you know, we started, we hired our first person in Q4 of 2018, and then we expanded maybe I would say to three or four people probably in 2019. And by the end of 2019, um, I was no longer budgeted on like any client work at all. Um, And neither was Jonathan. And so what that did in one year's time was we were able to um, kind of 
push our workload to um, our internal managers because we were able to create that capacity faster. And so that has freed up John and I to try to help build processes and systems and sales and you know all the other things that accountants we don't have time to do to actually run the business because we're so busy um, doing client work. And so um, I was out of client work by the end of 19 for the most part. I mean, I'm talking maybe 20 hours a month. And that's just because I wanted to, because I love meeting with clients. And then in 2020, we actually promoted our, um, you know, strongest team member uh, onshore into a director of operations position to where she no longer has client work budgeted to her. So, so her whole job is blocking and tackling and like dealing with escalation issues all day. And then we have our firm administrator. So we have four people on our leadership team that are non-chargeable. And with, without our, you know, TOA relationship, like there's no way like that would have happened. And um, all three of us would have been extremely chargeable. And so um, I think it's helping us grow faster than we would have otherwise, because we actually have time to do all the other owner things that we need to be doing. Yeah, and I, I know that, um, that, I mean, one of the consultants we work with, I think you'll know who I'm talking about, talks about working on versus in. And that's, uh, I mean, he's got hats. He turns around, he says, are you working on it or are you working in it? And I think that's the critical part. You've been able to work on your business, which actually means you can run faster. And a lot of people think, oh, well, if I'm not on the tools, we're not going to be billing as much. It's like, well, hang on, you'll probably bill more. But it's yeah. that, that change management and that, and in, internally some of it's ego. I mean, I know that, you know, I've, I've been in roles in my businesses in the past and then when I'm no longer doing it, I'm thinking, oh, surely they can't do what I do. And then someone outperforms you like, oh, should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because I've even, we've been having conversations about just like our kind of our new positions. It's like, we're kind of like recreating what that looks like for us. And so it's very exciting, but it is different. Like there's day, there were days initially where I was like, well, gosh, what do I do all day now? And, and not get in my team's way, frankly, because they need me to just get out of their way because they're perfectly capable of doing it without me. And, um, and so I had some issues with just like letting go because I mm-hmm. think it makes, you know, CPAs, we feel important, right? Because the client needs us and they call us and then we, we convince ourselves that we're the only ones that can do that work. But frankly, like we're not. And there are people that can do it, you know, better and faster than you. Um, and so I think just coming to terms with that, but also focusing on the fact like you're trying to build a business, you're not trying to build a job. And so I was like two years into this business. I remember John and I having this, like, we have built this like monster and it's terrible and we work so much and like, why are we here? And so I think that we, we hit that point where we're like, this is not what we want to be doing anymore. And so, um, we needed to just figure out a way to do things differently and to has helped us do that. I think that's a key point. My coach said to me, I actually only a couple of weeks ago, he said, because I was struggling with that, I'm, I'm in a role at the moment that I've been caretaking and I'm moving out of that. And um, I didn't think I had an issue with with moving out of that. But he said to me, he goes, Nick, why do you have to fill your time of, you know, why do you have to have 10 hours of in and outcome profile of what you have to do? He goes, you should have free time to think. And then when you think you're going to create things that will benefit the business. He said, so you don't always have to have something on paper that you have to be doing as an owner. As an owner, you need a lot of things not on paper, um, meaning you have time to just consume or monitor or mentor or um, it's an interesting point. But that sort of leads me on to that next question. The year ahead, what is the plan with your offshore team? How do you plan to keep on growing them, their capability and ultimately their performance? Sorry, John, I feel like I'm jumping in because... A lot of these are very operational, which is kind of my, yep. 
my uh, my column in, in our yep. business. So I don't mean to be the one talking all the time. Um, all so Jonathan kind of runs point on all of our sales and strategy stuff. But um, so uh, our biggest deficiency as a firm right now that we're trying to address really is in the senior kind of senior accountant position. And so a key focus for us is going to be kind of elevating and training some of our existing team members into more of a senior accountant role and then hiring that next um, team member underneath them so they can start supervising and doing first level of review. Uh, right now, um, our onshore uh, managers, because we have um, very experienced managers that frankly are still doing some senioring uh, of work. And so we're wanting to make that shift more proactively next year. So it's going to look like us trying to um, elevate and train our existing team. Also probably add um, probably at least another three team members next year is what we're expecting. And so um, that's our, our main focus is really just training fully into that senioring position. Excellent. How has offshoring benefited your clients? Oh, I'm going to take this one. I like this one. Uh, <laughs> so one from a sales perspective, one of the biggest complaints I get from a potential new customer is like my old CPA, like is never available. He doesn't respond. He's too busy. Um, it's like the number one thing, right? So by creating capacity in our organization, I freed up our account managers, our tax team. I've created all, Shannon and I are no longer billable. Our COO is no longer billable. We've created all these really great people who have capacity to like take a phone call like with a prospect or a client issue. Like it's, we, we don't always hit this mark, but we, we internally have kind of like a 24 hour turn on any request or call or voicemail. You know, if you reach out to us, we want that to be timely. Cause I never want anybody to leave because we weren't responsive. And so how's offshoring benefit our clients? Like, like the account managers and, and the owners and the key players in our organization have the ability to like actually interact with our clients, like on a regular basis, like in, and they're just not used to that. They, they, they haven't seen it before. No, it's definitely good feedback. And I test a lot of accounting firms on this one. I email them and see how long it takes them to respond to me or I'll call their office and see how long it takes them to respond. And sometimes it can be days or weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, if, if I was a client coming to you with, you don't know me, you don't know if I'm a big client, small client or perfect client or not, but you know, the fact that you took so long to get back to me, you probably lost the opportunity to even have that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I know that you touched on this one earlier, Shannon, um, the next question I'm going to ask you, but how has offshoring contributed to giving you more time personally? Um, has it given you more work-life balance? So I know that you really answered that before, Shannon, in, in one way, but I suppose, how has it contributed to both of you having more time, I suppose, to work not only on the business, but outside of the business? Um, well, I think just, I would encourage owners to just measure like their um, chargeable hours and billable hours. And I mean, really the goal for us is to be driving that number down so that we can work on the business and not in. And so, Gosh, I wish I knew off the top of my head, my chargeable hours, but like the first three years of our business, I mean, I was probably consistently working 50 to 60 hours a week um, because there were just so many things that needed to get done. I mean, it was nuts. And so I think that to go from that to where now, um, I mean, chargeable hours, I maybe have like five to 10 a month, but it's usually more like client relationship stuff and just higher level meetings that are just fun to be in. 
Um, and so I think a couple of things have happened. I think one, like I really enjoy, um, I enjoy my business and my work more because the client meetings that I'm in now are really the more strategic meetings that I should be in that I enjoy that make my heart happy. And it's less like somebody has to get this financial statement out like today, cause we have a deadline and there's nobody else that can do it and we don't have capacity to get it out and those kind of things. So, um, less fire drills, more fun client meetings. And then also like I have weeks where I work because like I want to, and I love what I do, but like I could work 15 hours a week or I could work 40. And I mean, honestly, right now, like most of my days, um, they're kind of mine and they're more just strategic and things that I enjoy doing. So just from an overall quality of life perspective, it's been significant. And just like I said, way more time with my kids. And I think, you know, what's the point in having a firm and working your tail off if you can't spend time with your family and the people that you love? Like, you know, I don't believe, like God would never call you to like spend time away from your family and your loved ones and not spend time with your kids. Like none of us are made to do that. And so I think that, you know, I would encourage CPA firm owners to really take a look at the type of business they want to build and aggressively like make those changes to get there. It's like, don't be the victim and just say, oh, well, there's too much work and there's nobody else that can help me. And I've heard a lot of limiting beliefs from other um, firms in the past. And I'm like, you know, at some point you just have to get mad about it and just say, you know what, like, I'm going to treat this like a business. I'm going to do what needs to happen to build the business how I want it. And, um, you know, I think for us, that was a couple of years ago. We just had to get like mad enough to say, hey, what we're doing is not working and we need to do something different. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I agree with Shannon. Uh, I'll speak more to the work side for me. Um, what what this is what this uh, partnership has done is is it's allowed me to kind of craft my ideal you know position in the firm right so it's a uh, uh, I get to do the sales and the business development uh, the strat- strategic meetings you know with our clients um, and 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 that every day I, I tell Shannon I was like I get to wake up and I get to like do my dream job so we talk, you know, it's like, well, why would I ever want to retire? Like I get to wake up every day, excited to go like help our clients, excited to go do sales, excited to grow our team. Um, and, and so there's, I, I don't, I don't have Mondays anymore. Like I just literally every day, it's like, this is awesome. Like I love what we do. And so that's the partnership has not only benefited like our work life um, and our family life, but um, it's, it's for me professionally, like I get to wake up and do exactly what I want to do. Um, because we got a great team behind us. And that's awesome. And, and we've got la- last couple of questions before we wrap up, but that sort of links into this next one. Has offshoring had a positive effect to the profitability of the business? You know, it, it, it has um, a little bit. What we've modeled out is because we've created a lot of capacity where we actually are, are kind of poised for growth. Um, and so we've modeled out quite a bit of profitability into the future because we've spent a lot of time investing in creating that capacity so that our key players can focus on the systems and the processes and building that base that's capable of going three to four times our current size. Um, I think most people and most firms that don't have that capacity in their organization, while it might not translate into profit like today, we've modeled out that once once the, the, the business comes, We'll be better poised to, to service it efficiently with quality work, you know, without miss, you know, missing deadlines or burning our people out. So, um, while I said, I, while it definitely has had an effect, um, probably not in the in the short term that you would expect, 
because for us, we're, we're trying to build to about three to four times our current size. And then we feel like it's really going to, going to take off. Yeah, you're setting up to build a business, not to, not to create a job. So that's right. awesome to hear. So what is the biggest myth or objection you've heard about having an offshore team? And is it true? You want to go first? You want me to go? Uh, I, so I think like the, the two big things I talked about earlier, but um, so colleagues saying that um, you can't find talented uh, team members or people that can actually do the work. I would say that's a myth that I hear from people a lot. Um, I think CPAs overcomplicate things sometimes too, and we don't invest in training. And so then it's like, oh, nobody's smart enough to do what I do. And it's like, well, actually what you do, one, it's either overcomplicated or two, you haven't taken the time to train someone to do it. And, and two, that not having people in the office is a barrier. That's another limiting belief that I've heard. And I think that that excuse tends to be for the firms that don't have good processes and procedures and haven't taken the time to build out like an infrastructure that's scalable. And we were guilty of that. I mean, for us at the beginning, like that was, you know, that was a barrier for us because if they weren't in the office, we weren't able just to like collaborate and do things because we didn't have documented procedures and we didn't have client documentation nailed down and all these things. So I think sometimes, yeah, they might be a valid concern, but there are things that you can fix that you can change. And honestly, you'll be you'll have a better firm once you address those issues anyways. So it's worth engaging. Yeah. And, and for me, I, I would say that initially the biggest, um, uh, objection was to having an offshore team was just the language barrier. Um, we have experienced situations where there was a language barrier and it's actually, um, you know, fr from like a tip for managing your offshore team or hiring your offshore team. Um, the way we think about it is we want our team members interacting with our clients regularly. Um, if, if their ability to communicate through a team's call or a zoom call is, is less than, you know, effective, then that client experience is not going to be great. So, um, you know, depending on how you plan on utilizing, you know, the members of your team, you know, if they're going to be client facing, we want them to be client facing. Um, so English proficiency is probably right up there with te technical accounting ability. Like when we interview, like we're, we're looking at both, like, like you could be a really great accountant, but if you can't talk to a client, like probably not going to be a good fit. Um, so we want to see both to be like really, really good. Um, in our experience, um, it, it, it has not been true that there is a language barrier. So, um, so while I will say some, some speak it and are, are more fluent than others, um, that's just something that during your onboarding and interviewing process to, to be looking for, depending on how you're gonna utilize them on your team. That's a great advice. So how can, there's obviously been a lot of, I've taken a lot of notes today. There's a lot of golden nuggets come out of our conversation today. If anyone wanted to reach out and learn more about you or have a chat to you, what's the best way for them to be able to get in contact with you? Yeah, so our website's relatively simple. Um, so it's uh, badgercpa.com. So badger like the animal, cpa.com. Um, and then uh, I, I, I don't know if uh, at the bottom of the notes or anything, we can give you guys our, our email addresses and phone numbers and all that. Um, but we're on LinkedIn and all that stuff. And come say hi. Uh, we'd love to interact with you. And, and we're, I think the thing that COVID has, has brought for a lot of us is like we're trying to be more um, digitally uh, um, relevant and, and um, uh, in the marketplace. So we are doing a few webinars. We'd love, you know, we'd love for you to come check them out um, just on stuff happening in, in our world. But uh, that would be probably the best way to get us either website or, or email. 
Excellent. We'll put that details in the show notes so that everyone can see them. So thank you both very much for all of the knowledge that you shared today. There's there's tons that I got out of it. So I know that our listeners will too. So thank you both again for your time today to do this. You're welcome. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for having us. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle, at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair and have a great day.